Mind of the Living Dead is brought to you by reanimatedrecords.com. Fair warning, Rewind of the Living Dead is a review show, so spoilers are ahead. The Howling, American Werewolf in London, Silver Bullet. Those are just a few of the iconic werewolf movies that are considered the best in film history. But writer and director Jim Cummings decided to take his own stab at the genre after receiving rave reviews for his film Thunder Road, where he played a police officer in personal peril following a divorce and the death of his mother. This time around, Cummings is once again strapping on a badge while investigating a series of brutal murders in a small Utah town that has everybody on edge, and the locals are convinced that a supernatural force must be at work. Of course, Sheriff's Deputy John Marshall just doesn't buy it, but he's teetering on the brink between trying to battle his own alcoholism, his father's failing health, and a temper that takes him from calm to rage in about 0.2 seconds. In the latest episode of Rewind of the Living Dead, we're going to get out our own forensics kits and consider going into computer science rather than police work as we discuss the 2020 horror comedy, The Wolf of Snow Hollow. to rewind of the living dead i am damon martin and i'm patrick Guerra. and patrick this week we're going to be talking about another new film uh, obviously we've been kind of bouncing back and forth between classics and uh, and newer films and this week we're going to talk about a much newer film the wolf of snow hollow which actually just opened in 2020 a matter of weeks ago at this point actually yeah. and video on demand yeah, actually, and I, I wanted to like reiterate the whole. We always do a spoiler warning at the beginning of this, but a lot of the stuff that we normally review is on a streaming site. This is still like pay on demand and in theaters. So if you if you really love, uh, you know, not being spoiled for movies that are kind of brand new, pause, go watch it, and then come back to this because yeah. we are we are going to spoil a movie that is like like hot off the presses yeah it's pretty new i i actually hadn't heard about it until a few weeks ago one of my uh, one of my best friends uh shout out to my boy Dwayne finley had actually posted on facebook uh that he saw this and he's like he actually tagged me because we're both big horror fans as well you know we have uh, kind of a you know an official you know, kind of a kind of our, our friendship was loosely based on our our passion for horror films early on and he tagged me and he's like, I want to know your thoughts on this. And I just hadn't had a chance to watch it, but I figured it'd be perfect time to watch it, to do it on the show. And I know you said you wanted to watch it as well. So it kind of worked out, you know, brilliantly to, uh, to kind of do this for the show. Yeah. And, uh, for, for those that, um, might know a movie uh, that Damon mentions in the intro, Thunder Road was on my top 10 list the year it came out, like Thunder Road was written, produced, and stars this guy Jim Cummings, who, who kind of can just do it all. And um, both Damon and I like love that movie, and it's it's a really weird, really quirky, strange movie that's done completely on like without any studio involvement. So it's one of those things where if you go around and find it, it's probably on Amazon or something like that. 
you get to watch something that's completely um, like unencumbered. Like it's just the movie this guy wanted to make. And so I was excited when I saw that this was coming out. It came out of nowhere. He was like, hey, everybody, here comes Wolf of Snow Hollow. And I was like, holy shit, it's Jim Cummings, the guy from Thunder Road. So I was so pumped. And also I love werewolf stuff. So I'm like, okay, Jim Cummings, this auteur and werewolves. Yeah, sign me up. Yeah, and there are, and let me let me preface this by saying there are elements that you can see in Wolf of Snow Hollow from Thunder Road. You can definitely totally. see parts of that, but they are also two completely different movies as well. Like it's right. kind of it's kind of it's kind of like you know when you watch a Tarantino movie, you know you're watching a Tarantino movie, but not every Tarantino movie is the same. Yes, there are certain elements that he always seems to stick in there, but you know obviously you can't say watching Inglorious Bastards is exactly the same as Reservoir Dogs. They're not the same right. movie. They have similar inclinations here and there and dialogue and things like that. And that's kind of where I think like Thunder Road definitely has you know similarities in moments. Uh, especially when you kind of talk about the the lead characters, you know, from that movie to this movie, which were both played by Jim Cummings, uh, you know, brilliant, brilliant stuff. But then again, it completely subverts that because this is this is much different uh, than that movie. Obviously, I mean, it's, you know, it's a movie predicated on potentially being a uh, you know potentially being a, a werewolf and a, you know a supernatural threat and things like that. But there are elements that are similar, but but again, uh, very different movies at the same time. Yeah, it kind of exists in this same weird little universe. They're not interconnected movies at all, but he does play a cop in both movies, and both movies have that weirdness to them. Um, sort of like uh, I would categorize it in the same vein as like a Coen Brothers movie, a Tarantino movie. Um, uh, oh shit, I just lost my train of thought. There was there was there was one other thing that that and in particular I thought connected everything really well but it uses a lot of that same like vibe like some everything is sort of off oh david gordon green so david gordon green does all those tv shows with um uh what's his name why am i forgetting i always do this at the beginning of the show oh from uh, danny danny mcbride yeah D danny mcbride and david gordon green do uh eastbound and down uh the the righteous gemstones they do they do all these uh, vice principles they do these uh, like these these weird universes where where people are kind of wacky and off, and uh, and that's what you get in uh, in the Wolf of Snow Hollow. He kind of continues on with that, and he just happens to play a cop again, but he's a different cop minus the mustache. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but like I say, and I don't want to again. I don't want to get too deep down the road on Thunder Road because again, there are different movies. But Wolf of Snow Hollow, I'll be honest, I didn't know exactly what to expect because. You know, obviously, you know, it's, it's, it's built, I, again, I, it really didn't get built as a horror comedy necessarily. It got built more as a horror, at least based on the ratings I saw. And then when I saw the trailer, I was like, this is definitely a horror comedy or at least a yeah. horror with comical elements. And then watching it, it is definitely funnier than it is scary. And again, I've said this right. numerous times when a movie is trying to be funny, you know, in a, in a, in a horror context, just like with scare me or some of the other movies we've talked about on this podcast, I can enjoy them. It's when they try It's when a horror movie is supposed to be scary. It's just so bad or so stupid that you laugh at. It. I don't like those right. kind of movies, but, uh, this one was definitely, this one was definitely set up more as a comedy than a horror, but there are definitely horror elements to it. Kind of surprisingly. So I, I honestly, some of the really graphic stuff that happens, I didn't really think would be in this film, if I'm being honest. Yeah, again, like kind of in kind of in the same vein as a Coen Brothers movie, like they're kind of funny and they're kind of silly. And then all of a sudden there's really stark, dark violence that happens in like almost every Coen Brothers movie. And that happens. That's what this movie's kind of like. You're like 
laughing out loud at the ridiculousness of what's happening. And then something happens and you're like, oh my God, that's like terribly dark. Uh, and it, like, and it's not dark, you know, there, I think it is horrific. Like it's a, there's, there's a lot of, uh, it's, we talked about this with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like there's a lot of anxiety and a paranoia that kind of, uh, permeates throughout this town because a, a murder happens and, uh, they just assume that it's a, it's a regular murder, but, but there's this air of like, well, could it have been a, a beast? And then another murder happens and like, well, is, was it a werewolf? And he's, He's like, what are you fucking talking about? There's no werewolves. Like werewolves aren't a thing. But but like the the town kind of gets swept up in this in this paranoia, and uh, so it becomes it becomes sort of a paranoia horror comedy. It, it, it's like I'm trying to think. Like I'm trying to I'm trying to compare it, and I don't want to compare it because I like mo original movies, and this movie feels very original. Like I don't want to, you know, like, very, what, very what, original. Okay, so like let's okay, let's talk about werewolf films because I got to be honest, I'm a big werewolf yeah. fan. I'm a big werewolf fan. Same. And this, I again, I know I'm heaping. This is high praise, and I'm not trying to like you know subvert people's expectations by comparing it to this movie. But the closest werewolf movie that I can compare this to. Is American Werewolf in London? Now I know that is yeah. like an all-time classic, and you know, yeah. again, just you know, completely changed the genre of of horror with some comedy mixed in, along with the the effects. Rick Baker, of course, a legend, did the effects in that movie, and you know, people still talk about the transformation scene to this day. Uh, you know, so that you know, that obviously is is a different movie, and I don't want to again, I don't want to compare. I don't want people to, I don't want people to see this movie and say, hey, I thought I was going to get American Werewolf in London, and it doesn't play out like that. But it's the yeah. only where wolf movie i can compare it to because it's not like the howling or my personal favorite horror movie of, of the werewolf genre is silver bullet uh that is very much not you know funny i mean, you know, the, right. I mean there are dumb elements that are funny but you know the gary Busey parts are funny but uh for the most part it's not a funny movie but this movie is is graphic in 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 certain elements with the murder scenes and and you know when they're talking about the murder scenes and and you see some of the photos and things like that like it is pretty hardcore it is pretty hardcore but there i mean i was belly laughing you know at a couple of moments yeah. in this movie where i was just crying laughing at a couple of things that happened in this movie so they do a really a really good job of balancing it because typically you don't you don't really expect that in a lot of horror comedies until you talk about like evil dead, which again, and I'm not knocking evil dead. Evil Dead's a classic, but it's kind of like, you know, that one was, that one ended up being funny when it wasn't meant to be funny at the beginning. Yeah. And, then, and then they just kind of went more ridiculous to make it funny. But the first evil dead was not intended to be hilarious. It just ended up being that way. This one is definitely intended to be funny, but there are a lot of, again, there's a, there's some pretty graphic stuff in this movie. Yeah, you know, I am I'm starting to realize there's a pattern going on with a lot of the things that we um talk about on this podcast. A lot of the horror films we talk about on this podcast is the I think the horror film uh, the horror film genre is the perfect place, the perfect palette for an auteur to express very specific ideas and things because it's lower budget, because it's going to be a lower risk investment for uh, a, a studio, uh, they kind of let the director do their thing. And so what you get in this movie is you get, once again, a director who is doing their thing. Like he, he's, he's going, this is what I want to examine. I just happen to want to add the werewolf element to it. But what I'm really examining is sort of, you know, 
he's he's examining you know his ailing father he's examining his own alcoholism his own life kind of falling apart all these things all these elements take place in this film and he uses the werewolf element to sort of talk about the beast within and that is i think key to a werewolf film all werewolf films are not alike much like uh, vampire films like they're they're kind of all they're kind of have all have all different types to them but werewolf films in particular are kind of about inner struggle and and i think that that is it permeates throughout this entire film it's about inner struggle in a funny way and sometimes in a sad and pathetic way but inner struggle inner struggle nonetheless like it it almost it's more important to have that element than to have like cool werewolf kills and i think the kills in this film to me feel a little more hitchcockian every now and then there's like a a, a, a gory scene, but it's, but it, but it's certainly something where it's like you're there for the aftermath of it. You have to kind of put the pieces together and all that. But the way this whole thing is crafted to me is just it's so entertaining and so different and so left field. It's not American Werewolf in London, as you say, but when you think of that, it's like I can't think of another movie that compares to American Werewolf in London. Like it's so singular, and that's how this movie feels. They just both happen to have this werewolf element in them. Yeah, and we got to be honest, you know, there are a lot of werewolf movies out there, but I actually think werewolf movies are one of the hardest to get right because yes. while you're absolutely correct, the the, the, the internal conflict that kind of goes along with that beast within that you're talking about, that's absolutely the core of most you know, werewolf movies. But because werewolves are ultimately animals, once the transformation is complete, you're not really dealing with a character at that point you're dealing with an animal and that's a different kind of that's a different kind of beast you're talking about you know when you think about the revenant you know and you think about you know the bear scene the infamous bear scene but ultimately the bear is a very minor character it's just that moment and then you got leonardo dicaprio you know going into survival mode after that and spending the next you know two hours trying to get back to civilization eventually seeking (laughs) vengeance but when you're talking about an animal it's a harder sell it's a harder because you can't you're there's no dialogue there's no you know there's really no expression i mean with a werewolf if you're not you know chilling out with him while he's eating dinner you know you're he's killing someone once he transforms that's usually how a werewolf works and that's why it's so difficult to get a werewolf film right in my opinion because you you have to you have to be able to flesh out other elements of your movie to where the werewolf actually makes sense like i said there's a few good ones American Werewolf in London, I think Silver Bullet is pretty brilliant. I love that movie. Uh, but they are hard to make. I think about Curse, which is made by the you know the late, great Wes Craven. And that movie had potential, but in the end, it was quite awful. Uh, <laughs> and then I think about, like, you know, they, there's, I mean, there's, there's other, you know, like, obviously the entire, what is it, the, the Under, what is that, what is that series? Oh, the, Underworld. Underworld. Yeah. Those right. are, those are awful. Uh, <laughs> I like yeah. it. One. Uh, <laughs> I yeah. like the first one. Those are, but but see, one of the reasons why I think there's so many different vampire movies out there is because when you get dialogue and you can actually dig into a character, yeah. you can, you know, there's a you know interview with the vampire. There's that, and then there's you know there's, and then there are the you know the kind of nameless, faceless, you know, voiceless, you know, vampires. Obviously, Thirty Days of Night's a good example, and Vampires, the John Carpenter movie, is a good example of that. But by and large. You think about True Blood, you think about, you know, the other, you know, pretty famous vampire movies and shows out there, you know, uh, what is it, uh, Vampire Diaries, the the tween version, uh, you know, you get dialogue and you kind of flesh out their their characters and, and there's so many different layers to a vampire because they're ultimately, for the most part, they're human and, you know, they have, you know, they can be murderous, rampaging killers, but... Uh, there's a lot more there. Werewolves are a lot harder to nail. I gotta be honest. A werewolf movie is a lot harder to nail. 
And I like, kind of like with this one, very much like Silver Bullet, where there's a mystery element. And I think that really yes. goes to the heart of this movie is because A, you got people convinced it's a werewolf killing people. And then B, you got the mystery of who is it? Like, because you're always yeah. in a werewolf movie when you don't know right away who is the werewolf you're immediately playing detective who is the werewolf. Like that's always the, 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 you know, so again, there are certain elements of a werewolf movie that kind of, that seemingly kind of work every time, but it's still a very, very hard genre to nail in my opinion. Yeah, no, you, you've hit the nail on the head because you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, when's the last time you've seen a werewolf talking once they're a werewolf? They're not. They're a snarling, raging beast. That's what they are. Like the talking happens some other time and you're right. What Jim Cummings does here is very smart. He he sets up a whodunit film. Um, it really is like a murder mystery. He talks a lot about in interviews uh, about this film, uh, detective porn. He's he's way into like the detective side of this, trying to figure out who the killer is. And boy, I mean, like when I when I talk about his directing skills and his writing skills, he does a great job of like constantly misdirecting you. Um, put it, putting you in this position where you go, well, I think it's that guy. Well, you know what? Maybe it's that guy. Actually, maybe it's the main character. And, and, and he, he sets, like, I love the, the, the thing he does with John Marshall, the main character who he plays is, is he has an alcohol problem and he sort of juxtaposes scenes of, of, of death, full moon, John beer and he kind he kind of keeps building to this thing every now and, and then the hand injuries start growing on this guy and you're like oh there's something off about him like he's putting together he's building a case visually for you in the film where you could say well it's john then he builds a case well it's one of the guys at the meeting because he's super tall and super huge that was weird or hey maybe it was that guy over there or this or this MacGuffin that they put in the film this guy who looks kind of like wolverine they even call him that they go oh, this guy's got a wolf tattoo you go, yeah, could be that guy to the point where they even show that guy burning a dead body. And you're like, oh, OK, it's definitely him. <laughs> like like he he sets up this great whodunit. It's if you like murder mystery films, it gives you that element as well. Yeah, it does. There's a lot of a lot of that that mystery involved. It kind of goes to the heart of this movie. And but the thing is, is and sometimes I feel like, you know, when you when a movie is set up that way, like when you watch a movie like Knives Out, which is a really well done who done it oh, movie. Great. Uh, you know, the, you, you, you get involved in yourself, you know, just like with true detective, one of my, you know, the first season of true detective, I've raved about that show on here before the first season, you're literally trying to figure out what they're trying to figure out. You're trying to yeah. follow along with the investigation. Now, some movies get lost in the weeds with that. I feel like sometimes they, they try so hard to make it a mystery and you just kind of lose track of what you're watching and it doesn't make sense or Either that or it's just completely obvious and there's really no mystery to it. This one does a good job because your focus gets turned a lot because so much of this movie yeah. is a point of view through Jim Cummings character that, you know, and it, and it does, it bounces a lot. Like, you know, you one, in one moment you're at a crime scene, then you're at a funeral and then you're in the hospital and then you're at home with him drinking and he's drinking, uh, drinking mouthwash and falling over and breaking his oven, which was hilarious. One of the best things oh, in the movie, great, great uh, scene. you know, showing up to AA meeting. Like, it's just like, you know, there's so many different elements of like, you know, of, of where this movie's going and you can't ever quite figure it out. And then when it gets to the ending and you actually find out what this is, and again, massive spoilers. You find out Should it's not. It? Should uh, we spoil it? 
Uh, I don't even know if we have to. We don't, actually, yeah, I guess we don't really necessarily have to. But the surprise, I'll say that, the surprise yes, of the surprise. ending, uh, yes. I'm, I got to be honest, I didn't really see it coming. Not, not, that, not that I didn't see it coming, just that everything had been everything had been set up in in one very you know very you know very big direction and it didn't go that way and i would say it surprised me in a way where i was kind of like oh okay you know like not like surprised but like oh wow okay that's kind of a different way to go uh and, and so yeah so i uh yeah this was a much different film than really what i expected going in yeah, I, I, I loved it. I got to see it twice, which is kind of my rule for the podcast anyway. But I was like looking forward to seeing it the second time around because the first time you're trying to you're trying to get get your bearings and just kind of be an audience member and analyze it. Um, and then the second time you try to just go for the ride. This time I was on the ride both times. The first time I was a little more confused, but that's the point. I was really going on the ride the first time to just be like, uh, what, what's happening? Like, oh, these guys are talking awfully fast. And what does that mean? And what does that mean? And then you watch it the second time around and you see all of the fantastic elements that are laid out in front of you. And it just, it these dominoes fall in this wild direction and it splits off and it takes you this other way. Like, you're going to have a lot of fun watching this movie. I, 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 I'm I going to say it's really high praise. I make a list every year of all the movies I watch, horror or not, and the good ones get a star next to them. And this one got a star next to it for yeah. sure. It's, it's such a different movie. And, uh, and I enjoyed that, you know, I, again, we'll, I feel like, you know, at some point we're going to have to spend the entire podcast, you know, maybe just doing our best of list for the year, best and worst of list maybe for the year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Because we, we obviously didn't, uh, we didn't start this podcast till, you know, obviously very late into 2020, but there's a lot of movies in 2020 we could talk about. And this was definitely one I really enjoyed, uh, but on a different level, like I said, uh, yeah. for for a horror movie, you know, it's not your, it's not really a horror movie, uh, but it does have horror elements, and especially when you get into some of the graphic nature of the kill scenes and things like that. There's again, it's it's such a it's such a different movie than what you're t what you're typically going to see, and and that's part of the reason why I enjoyed it so much is because it's not what you expect, and it's not what else is out there, and much like Thunder Road, going back to that. There's a lot of originality in Jim Cummings' work, and I appreciate that because we got to be honest, man. There's a lot of you know reboots and remakes, and and you know uh, basically you know carbon copies of a lot of movies going on out there. To be original at this stage of the game yeah. uh, is hard, and and I think Jim Cummings has managed to do it. You know, back to back here with Under Road, and then now with with Wolf of Snow Hollow. Yeah, you're gonna get something you don't normally see. I I watched it on the second viewing with my wife, and she was like this movie's insane. And she loved it. Like <laughs> she was just like, I can't believe what I'm watching. She had never seen Thunder Road. She had no reference for that. If you have a reference for Thunder Road, you're, you at least get a feel of what you're like tonally, what you're going to get. But if you, if you're going in completely blind, you're going to have a blast. Like you're really going to have fun watching this film. Yeah. And it's still, even if you've, even if you've seen Thunder Road, you're still not quite going to see what's coming in this movie. Right. Which, it's a, yeah. Which I enjoyed. All right. We got a lot of categories to get to with this week with Wolf of Snow Hollow. So let's get right into it as we seemingly do every week with the best and worst performances. So uh, best performance, uh, I'm just going to bury the lead and ruin this for you right now. We have the same <laughs> answer because yeah. there's really no other answer to have, uh, but I'll, I'll turn the court over to you for the best performance in this movie. Uh, hands down, without a doubt, uh, the writer, director, and star of the film, 
Jim Cummings as John Marshall. Uh, he he's he's just he chews up the entire scene, and I don't mean that in any bad way. He, I described him in the, my notes as a black hole that the movie can't escape. Like, and this guy is not a trained actor; has zero acting training. Like, he just writes these movies. They don't have a lot of budget for like big name stars or anything, so he just stars in them. And uh, and he does an incredible job, and he creates this character just sucked into the 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 franticness of him and the and the kind of the haplessness and and the, there, there's a lot of pathetic elements to him like i don't know i mean go on about jim cummings and his performance because it, it sometimes it just baffles me how good he is you know well I'll, I'll do that and i'll also add to this when you think about horror films and you think about the best horror or even horror comedies for that matter most of them are not really a character study on one character typically there's a you know it's an ensemble i mean name and i mean you could say Rosemary's Baby is primarily about, you know, the, the lead character in that movie, and that's really what follows. But there's a, a short list of horrors or horror comedies that really are predicated on one character. Usually it is an ensemble. You know, you have a surrounding cast that kind of fills out the, the, the story, so to speak. And in this one, while there are other great performances, you know, give a credit to Ricky Lindholm. She does a great job. You know, obviously the yeah. late, great Robert Forster, I believe this yeah. was his last role uh, before his passing. And he's incredible. I, I loved him in Jackie Brown and, and other stuff he's done. Uh, Twin Peaks, of course, the, re the reboot of that. Uh, I loved him in that. So he was great in this movie, what he was featured in. But really, this is a movie in, around, and about Jim Cummings' character. And that's not an easy thing to do in this kind of genre because it is so rare. And he, you know... He hits a lot of different levels in this movie. He definitely, obviously, you see him go as I, you know, as I joked in the intro, go from calm to rage in about zero point two seconds, and totally. that happen, and that happens, you know, repeatedly throughout the movie, and it's still <laughs> funny every single time. But he also, you know, he has this kind of like he has this demeanor where he's, you know, he's he's constantly, you know, critical of himself because he doesn't think anyone's taking him seriously, uh, whether he's talking about the crime or anything else for that matter. Uh, you know, he has these kind of like, you know, these moments with his father because his father's ill where he kind of, you know, he kind of ratchets up the emotion in that moment. Uh, he has these father daughter moments where, you know, he's trying to be a dad, but you can kind of tell this guy has no idea what he's doing to be a dad. And so he kind of, again, goes from that, like trying to be a father to just being a, you know, just an, a raging asshole. I don't know a better way to put it. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously, you know, you, you see him sinking back into alcoholism, which for anyone that's ever been around alcoholism, uh, I have, I grew up around it, not to get too serious here, but I grew up around it. And what he's doing is, you know, not that it's like a giant secret how it works, but it's very much like that. You just kind of, you know, you don't generally fall off the wagon by accident. Something generally kind of tips you that way. Yeah. And, uh, and, and him doing that and the way he did it is, you know, very, very truthful, very, very honest. And, uh, again, it's very funny performance, but it's also, there's some, there's some, uh, powerful elements to his performance as well. Yeah. It's got, it's got a lot of drama in it too. Um, it, it really is something to see, um, him take care of all the elements that you just fired off. Like none of them feel rushed or left out the balance is really good and this is a lean movie it's not a long movie i think it's 90 minutes yeah um and and, and but yet all those elements that you talk about are explored and they're explored very efficiently and you get satisfaction at the end of all of them like that's skill that's like real skill um this is a special uh guy who can put this thing together and i mean that's why hands down he's got the best performance on lock 
Yeah, yeah, and it's really not. And again, I want to give credit to Ricky Lindholm. I think she does a great job as the other kind of yeah, the main she's, officer. she's really good. She does a really good job. But again, she's not too in scenery the way that Jim Cummings does in this movie. And, and she's not really meant to, so it's kind of hard to you know shout right. her out as the best performance. Uh, worst performance, I got to be honest, I disagree with your choice, which is why I want you to talk about it. Yeah, and you know what? Honestly, I was kind of being nitpicky, not because I really don't think there's any bad performances in this film, like where I was like, ooh, that's not working. But Chloe East as Jenna, his daughter, um, she had a couple of pretty major moments. Hold on one second. I'm getting a phone call during our podcast. <laughs> she, she, she had a, a couple of major moments um, where she really had to go the extra mile. And and much like you, I've been in these situations where where – uh, uh, someone, uh, a son or daughter has to deal with an alcoholic parent. Um, and so she's, she's got to do those things and, and it's intense. And actually I think the scenes work really well, but I'm just nitpicking when I say some of that stuff didn't click, but, but it, it is heavy lifting, right? So if it stands out, if it doesn't click and a couple of those little moments here and there, they didn't click. That's being totally nitpicky overall, which I think she did fine. Yeah, see, I disagree. I think if I wasn't going to go with with, with you know, Jim Cummings as my favorite performance, I would probably go with Chloe East as my second favorite performance. Again, credit to Ricky Lindholm, as I mentioned her name a couple of times here, but I actually really like Chloe East. I think she did a good job not only you know, doing the, the lifting that she needed to do in those scenes with her father and then obviously the scene in the truck where, you know, again, this is a spoiler, but I think we all kind of see it coming where she gets attacked. Yeah. Uh, I think she does a really solid job in that. And I think what I, what I liked most and what I disagreed with when, when I saw worst performance was what I think she did really, really well. And it's a subtle thing is that she really did mimic Jim Cummings performance. She went from like quiet to rage in a split second. And you can kind of see that coming out. Her father kind of comes out in her. And I really enjoyed that because you can kind of see like she doesn't want to be it's, it, that's the that's the oldest adage in, in you know, a, a parent, you know, child relationship as a child, you're lashing out at the parent they, they hate or they don't want to be like. And that's the one they're most like. I mean, my girlfriend's the exact same way. My girlfriend, when I first met her, she and her mom were just like at odds <laughs> constantly. And now, you know, years later, you know, I tell her and she kind of laughs at it. And I was like, she is literally just like her mother. And I, and, yeah. I, and I think that's part of this too. In this entire movie, you know, Chloe East is, you know, very much, you know, trying not, you know, trying to display how much she dislikes her father yet. As you see her throughout the movie, she's very much like her father. And so I actually think she did a good job. Now, for me, worst performance, again, it's a it's a small cast. This kind of goes back to like, you know, talking about, you know, scare me or, or you know, some of the your host, which is like, you know, six people in a show or in a yeah. movie, excuse me. And I almost feel bad, you know, digging on somebody. But if I had to pick one out of anybody, uh, I would probably say Jimmy Tatro as PJ, the boyfriend. Uh, <laughs> Not that he was, and again, he wasn't really that bad. Yeah. It was just yeah. kind of a one note performance for the most part outside of the opening scene in the diner. Otherwise, it was a pretty one note performance the rest of the way, you know, for a guy. And, and they kept kind of bringing him back as like, maybe he is a suspect, maybe he's not. And then he kind of plays a bit of a role in the, in the final scenes and where you kind of figure out, you know, what's going on with the mystery. Uh, but he just, I don't know, after like that opening scene, I just didn't really see a purpose for his character. Like, I was just kind of like, why is he here? And when he's there, I'm just kind of like, everything he does is forgetful to me. But again, even that, I'm not saying he was bad. It's just kind of like, I just didn't understand necessarily why he was there. Uh, I get it. I know. But it's just like, yeah, I, I just didn't, I didn't really buy his performance. 
Well, see, I, and I would disagree. I mean, I, again, I kind of like we're totally nitpicking. I think that's what we're what, what we've both admitted is that we're, that we're being extra judgmental when we really don't need to be. We could kind of toss worst performance out of this movie if we wanted to. But for him, see, I I love the subtle rage that was coming at him in the beginning of the film because he's confronted by some local or he confronts some locals because they say a, a homophobic slur. And then you you kind of feel the reason behind it, like he gives the reason, and then he kind of he, he he like apologizes to his girlfriend and comes down off of that. And I was like, well, look at that. He he just showed a bunch of range all in one little moment. And then later on, when they come to give the police come to give back the, the her her remaining clothes or evidence or whatever they had, he has a little moment where he breaks down. And like I didn't see that coming from him. I was like, I didn't even know this guy had that in him. Like I thought he had the chops. Yeah, but again, like I said, I'm nitpicking here. I really, totally. I didn't think totally. it was a terrible performance. I just, like I said, if I had to, if I had to criticize somebody, that would be the guy who criticized. But again, I really don't think there was a bad performance in this movie. You know, really yeah. from top to bottom. I mean, just being honest. Yeah, totally nitpicking. Sorry, Jim. We're just, we're, we got to do it. We got to do it for our our fans and listeners. They depend on this. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. <laughs> uh, this has become my favorite segment. I got to be honest each and every week. We talk about our best line, our favorite yeah. line from the movie. <laughs> and these are, these oh. are always, when you enjoy them, especially when you enjoy a movie, these are really fun to do. So uh, set the stage for your favorite line and, and then I'll play it. Cause again, this could easily been my favorite line as well. I got to be honest. Yeah. So, uh, so John Marshall, actually the movie opens up with John Marshall at, uh, a 12 step meeting and he's talking about being an alcoholic and uh and and much like his character is want to do throughout the in, entire film he sort of goes on these little rants like he seems calm and something that he's saying and the tone of his voice and all of a sudden the story that's coming out of him is a little bit crazy and a little bit insane and he he cannot read the room like he just goes for it and so this is him kind of talking about his ex-wife who he's not getting along with at the moment here we go my ex-wife, she, uh, woof. <laughs> you met her. She's the mother of my daughter. I could never say a cross word against her, but she can be a real fucking piece of work. Some nights I get so angry even just thinking about it, I get these crazy ideas about renting a backhoe, setting it up on her lawn, putting it in drive, and just watching it crawl through her house slowly. Not to hurt anybody, obviously, but just to have somebody acknowledge that I'm here. Uh, <laughs> I'm like holding in laughs while the while the clip is playing. I, so, when he I says, wouldn't say crossword about her, but she's a real fucking piece of work. Yeah. <laughs> that was when I watched the movie. He was talking about. It, he said, "I'd never say a crossword about her. She's a real piece of fucking work." I, I was just like, I tell you what, I. Maybe this is a really bad thing. I'm a, I'm just going to out myself because my girlfriend said this during the movie. She's like, this guy is so much like you sometimes because I'm very <laughs> much, I am very much the same way. Like, I would never say a bad word, but you know, fuck that guy. Uh, oh, that was great. That was such a good moment when he's just like, you know, I just sometimes I fantasize about driving a backhoe. <laughs> <laughs> a backhoe? Such an elaborate, such an elaborate, yeah. like, you Whoa. know, not like I want to destroy your house. Like, literally, I'm going to drive a backhoe up, put it in drive and just watch it drive <laughs> watch it crawl through <laughs> just so someone can see me just yeah. because, just so someone can understand oh, that dude, it was so good that easily <laughs> easily line. could have been my favorite line as well but uh yeah that was a classic now mine i actually ended up cheating here i chose two lines but they're both they're both very much in the same vein which is 
John showing up to the crime scene and and basically losing his shit uh, on the people around him as he's trying to like because you know throughout the movie you know kind of set this up like the pressure is building he's in a small town and the small town is very much weighing down on him to solve yeah. this to solve this crime to solve these crimes and. You can feel it, man. The pressure is mounting, and he's crumbling under the pressure. And occasionally, he just snaps, and and he's snapping at his coworkers, which is funny. And and, and in some regards, you know, kind of rightfully so, because they're throwing out these kind of you know lunatic ideas at him, and he's kind of squashing them, but in a very loud manner. Uh, so I'm actually going to juxtapose these two. The first one I'm going to play is actually from later in the movie, and then I'm going to play the second clip right behind it. Built very much in the same vein. These are deputies uh, trying to give him theories about what happened to these murders, <laughs> and him literally just just destroying them. Uh, so here, here, here's part one, and then I'll just play part two back to back. No, no, I want to hear your theory. Tell me right here that it's a hunter without a license. I want to hear this. This is going to be great. It's a hunter without a license. You're a bad police officer. You should have pursued computer science because you are not good at this. Whoa! The young woman, right? Oh, brilliant fucking detective work, Chavez. Well, it was a full moon again last oh, night. Oh, cut it out with that goddamn Roswell shit, Chavez! Wrap out! Wrap <laughs> out! Wrap <laughs> out! <laughs> oh my god, it's so funny. You know what's funny? Like, uh, so first of all, that's hilarious, and that was also on my like list of favorite things in this film, and it, it w- could have easily been my best line. Uh, that that little sequence there, but it really. Um, on the second viewing of watching kind of that stuff go down, it's clear there was like this great societal parallel regarding conspiracy theory. Like that's kind of what's permeating in American culture right now. We don't want to really get into it. That's not the show. Uh, But everyone is so sure in this town, it's a werewolf except John. Yeah. Like everyone believes the conspiracy theory except him. And he's so fucking frustrated at the lunacy of it. He's like, this is insane. It's not, it's a man. I get, I promise you it's a man. And even, um, uh, detective Julia, uh, Ricky Lindholm, she's with him too. She's like, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a man for sure. It's a man. And like, he's going nuts. Cause everyone in this town <laughs> believes it's a werewolf. And he's like, it's not a fucking werewolf. Like you guys are insane. And that rage, that rage that he it feels familiar to me because I feel I'm doing that with a lot of people who are throwing wild conspiracy theories at me. I feel that that frustration that's coming out of the character. Oh yeah, no, it really is. He loses his shit numerous times in this movie, and it's wrap <laughs> <laughs> out, uh, out. But then, but then like that with the hunter, he's like, it's a hunter without a license. Like you are not good at your, you are not a good police <laughs> officer. You should have done computer science instead. <laughs> Just like the quiet rage inside of him. Yeah. It's, I mean, oh. it, it is that is me. I'm not like I'm not trying to t- like literally. I can see myself in that character because I am the same way. Because I, I either go from like. Really sarcastic, like you should have done it. You should have gone into computer science to the full on rap out. Like yeah, that's literally yeah. me. So uh, yeah, oh, I, that's that's me all all the yeah, way. For I appreciate sure. I appreciated that character. Yeah, there, there was a. I mean, there was a number of great lines in this movie. Could easily drawn from numerous more, you know, from throughout this movie. Like so, what yeah. I, I mean, you know, it, there's just there's just so many great you know, lines in this movie. It's a very well <laughs> it's a very well written movie. Being honest, so. it is. It it, it it the dialogue in this movie is very reminiscent of like a Big Lebowski or Raising Arizona, uh, and those are like some of the most quotable movies of all time. Uh, but it's very much like that. Like you're gonna you you'll have line after line after line. 
Yeah, absolutely. All right. Now, I want to preface this category by saying that this is not your typical horror movie. This is very much a horror comedy. And typically yeah. horror comedies don't feature a lot of great scares. But I will say there actually were a couple of pretty solid scares in this movie for a movie that, again, is, in my opinion, more comedy than horror. Uh, so best scare. And, and again, there actually are a couple moments here. So what was yeah. your best scare from this movie? Yeah, I mean, the, the way this movie kind of works is you, you never see a, a murder happen on screen. I mean, well, I shouldn't say that you don't, but in terms of like how a typical horror film works, you don't see like someone turn a corner and then they get they get ripped apart and then someone unwittingly walks in on a on a dead body hanging and you see all the gore. You don't see that in this movie. It's all about the stalking, which makes total sense, right? You're, you're, this is a werewolf movie. A wolf would stalk you. And there's a scene that got me, which was a mom and her little toddler daughter uh, were being stalked by the wolf and the daughter's like in the back seat in her little kid car, uh, car seat. And when, when you got a little, a really little kid in the scene, the stakes get really high. Like I got nervous. It, it, I was just like, oh God, like, How's this going to pan out, you know, because we know something's coming and something does appear and you're just like, oh, shit, like this, it's kind of <laughs> fucked up. Like you're, you're really tense about it. Yeah, that was a very good one. I actually have kind of a two parter. Uh, they're not connected, but one's a good, just a good jump scare. And the other one is actually like kind of the chilling moment. The jump scare is when the cops are driving and their car window gets slammed with a beer did not yeah. see that coming. That made me <laughs> yeah. jump out of my seat. Definitely caught me by surprise. Good jump scare. Absolutely had nothing to do with the rest of the movie, really. But it was a good, like, oh, shit moment. Yeah. Uh, but the best scare, actually, I'm going to rewind it from your best scare, because that probably would be my favorite involving the actual killer or the actual, you know, the actual action of the horror. I mm -hmm. would say the most chilling, the scariest moment is in the diner before that, when the daughter and the mother are sitting at their table. Yeah. And this guy comes... And sits down next to them and just starts talking to her. And he's like, you know, mm -hmm. very, very friendly at first. Very, you know, oh, your daughter's beautiful and blah, blah, blah. And then at the tail end, he goes, he goes, uh, so how do you like that blue car? And like, you realize yeah. like he, he knows more about her than he should by just being this total stranger sitting down next to her. And you see the uncomfortableness kind of grow in her and she you know kind of gets to the counter and like tries to get away without being rude about it which i think it is kind of how a lot of people would treat that situation and that's a very kind of creepy moment and again not scary necessarily but very creepy no, but you just kind of feel that like like ooh, like you know like the more information this guy doles out on her you understand that like he definitely knows more than he should and it's kind of creepy in the way she reacts in a way of like she's trying not to freak out but she's freaking out inside. Yes, it's really yeah. well done. It's incredibly well done. And, and for people who uh, haven't seen the movie yet, the technique he uses multiple times in the movie is the camera only focuses on the woman. You never see who she's afraid of. And which is yeah. important to kind of set up the mystery of it all. But something about that super unsettling where you just stay on the one person and you see the uncomfortable uh, uh, feelings building, the, 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 the urgency to like kind of get away from the situation, start building. It's a fantastic technique. He's really good at that. Um, and I even had an honorable mention um, for scary moments because it's – I mean, you know, scares, they're kind of – this is a little more subjective for this film. But uh, when John – asks to see the taxidermy stand at his full height the way they uh portrayed that like like the way the camera kind of pans up and the guy gets taller and taller and taller and then they cut back around and show how 
how small John is compared to him. Like that was another great just way to make something creepy without showing anything, without being scary at all. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That was a very well done scene as well. Kind of like I said, the the beer bottle slamming in the window was not oh really, God. you know, it was a good jump scare. Yeah. So yeah, that's, I would agree. That is a very like, in that moment, it's very ominous. I guess that's the word I'd use. It's a very yeah, ominous moment. Totally. When he stands to his full height, you're kind of like, oh shit. Like, you know, like, yeah, you kind of realize creepy. it. Yeah, it is. It is very creepy. Uh, best score in this movie. Now, surprisingly, you know, there is... There is a fair amount of gore for a horror comedy, even though, you know, because typically horror comedies, yeah, they can get gore. You can think of Zombieland and some other movies like that, or, you know, Evil Dead 2 or, or Army of Darkness. But uh, this was actually, there were some there were some solid gore scenes in this movie. So what was your favorite gore in this movie? My, my gore actually was one of the few scenes that didn't involve, like, physical gore like a mangled body or tons of blood um but it's when uh one of the officers is found kind of folded up in a trash can because to me that felt like the most horror-esque thing in the movie uh like you would find like jason would do that to somebody crumple them up and stuff them in a trash can and you'd find them that way and so you know and he's all twisted up like his head's not where it's supposed to be and his legs are where they're not supposed to be uh so for me that rang the truest to kind of the the gore uh, uh, you know, milieu. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. My favorite gore was the opening scene with the girl in the hot tub with her boyfriend. You know, when when she gets killed, and you see her body kind of strewn across the the, the snowy grass yeah. and the blood in the snow. It's a very very visceral scene, and I think they did a really good job of like you know, kind of like the flashbacks. It's kind of like it's kind of like a little bit now, again i'm i'm making a, a kind of an odd comparison but kind of like in seven where they open the box and you know it's when yeah. paltrow's head and you keep seeing like the flashes of just blood and you kind of figure out what it is this yeah, is you see a, the hair in the wind yeah this is a little more this is obviously not quite as subtle as that but kind of like that where you keep flashing back between the guy looking and finding his you know soon to be fiance just been butchered and you see like her leg cut up, but you don't really see it. You do, but you don't. And I think they did a really good job of like showing it without showing too much. Yeah. There, there is something to um, kind of the implication of gore, or at least just like the kind of a glance of it. Like that's very like, you know, riding past the scene in an accident and you get the glance of it. Like that's kind of the feeling that you get throughout this film. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Uh, this is, as I said, a horror comedy. So what was your funniest moment in this movie? Because there were quite a few. Yeah. You know what? We should have probably just pulled like audio clips for this stuff too, but it was, uh, basically what your best line was when John loses his shit at the second crime scene and he's freaking out about something. <laughs> Somebody goes, oh, it's, a, it's a werewolf. And he's like, it's, funny. it's not a werewolf. It's a man. Can I be right about something for once? <laughs> yeah, that's when the, the the two cops are sitting in the car and they keep giving him facts yeah. and they're like, it's got a lower right man. He's like, it's not a wolf. <laughs> he just keeps freaking he's out losing his shit and he does the whole rap out thing like he he tells him to rap out and he's screaming like it's it, it comes right off of your best line it's such a funny moment yeah yeah it definitely is well my my favorite funny moment i gotta be honest is uh you know just another young woman right oh brilliant fucking detective work chavez well, what was a full moon again last oh, night come around with that goddamn roswell shit chavez rap out that's, like, <laughs> That's so good. I died laughing when he said that because he kept yelling at Ricky Lindholm's character. And she's like, the mayor wants to be with you. I don't have time for this. Wrap out. <laughs> He's <laughs> just completely losing it. He's just completely melting down, and it, and he does it in such a funny way. Brilliant detective work, Chavez. Stop with the Roswell <laughs> shit. 
<laughs> Rap out. <laughs> If it wasn't that, if it wasn't that, it could have easily been the scene where he falls over onto the onto the oven door and passes out, which is really funny. Or it could have easily been the backhoe moment yeah, at the, the beginning when he said when he says the part where he, like we talked about when he when he says I, like, I never say a crossword about her, but she's a piece of fucking work. <laughs> <laughs> that is so that Whoa. is so well done. Another another funny line from that is like later in the film when he's really lost his shit and like he he goes back to his 12-step program place and he's arguing with the people there because they're all pissed off at him and shit and uh and and he starts yelling at one of the guys all the people are off camera you can't see who he's arguing with and he's he says something to one of the guys he's like you need to tell your wife to stop posting that shit on facebook she's an amateur sleuth <laughs> i was like amateur sleuth like it's that's such a weird like that's such a uh uh what's his name from um john goodman's character out of uh Big Lebowski. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you know, it's, it's just it's that kind that kind of like verbiage that's just so ridiculous, but totally works in the moment. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Walter Subcheck right there. Yeah, Subcheck. Yeah. yeah. Walter, Walter. <laughs> Walter. Just, She's an amateur sleuth. Yeah, no, it's very, like I said, there's a lot of really funny moments. And, and, and generally speaking, they all revolve around, uh, around John, Jim Cummings character, but oh, they, it's yeah. very, very well done. All right. Kind of a two-part final here. We'll go into this one, which is, is this a good werewolf movie? Because this movie is called The Wolf of Snow Hollow. It's predicated on being a werewolf movie. And this is kind of where we have to... I, I, I didn't think we had to spoil the movie. I feel like I kind of had to spoil the movie here because... Is it a good I'm gonna werewolf? Try and not to, I'm going to try not to spoil the movie right here, All actually. Right. I'm going to lie. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I have a hard time not doing that based on my argument, but go ahead. Okay, so what what I think is what's important to a werewolf movie out of anything is that you, you really get into the beast within, and this movie completely ticks that off. So whether whether there's a werewolf in it or not, it's 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 still that movie. It's still about like the rage that comes out, and and every werewolf movie needs to have that. Um, even the bad ones, if if a bad one doesn't have that, boy, you don't have a werewolf movie. So to me, this has all the elements that a werewolf movie needs. Yeah, I would say this is tough because I would say this is yeah. I mean, I guess because I was kind of arguing with myself going into this category, trying to decide how I wanted to pose this. But I would say yeah, I guess it is a good werewolf movie because the at the end of the day, you know, a great werewolf movie to me doesn't necessarily. It's not necessarily about seeing the transformation, although that's a big part of you know that is a big part of werewolf movies. We got to be honest. Sure. Uh, that Spoiler is, alert! You see, no, you don't see a transformation. In yeah, this movie, and so that was sure. kind of, that's kind of where I was thinking. Like, it's hard to grade it on that because that is so much of what we learn, or you know, because like that's the the point. That's the building. You see the tension of building into, yeah, you know, the, the becoming the werewolf. You think about the werewolf in Monster Squad. You know, seeing him transform and seeing yeah. the transformation in uh, in American Werewolf in London, which is of course very iconic. Uh, there is no transformation scene in this movie, and so it kind of does take that away from it. But you're right in terms of the tension, in terms of the horror, the the gore, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. Like that is very much in vain with the great horror, with a great werewolf movie. And again, when you talk about the Beast Within, I'm not even going to get that deep. I'm just going to say on like the actual animalistic level, yeah. you do you do get enough of that to where it is still it is a where because again the the crime scenes are horrific. 
And that's kind of what you expect in a werewolf. You're not expecting a werewolf is going to just, you know, stab his victim and then, you know, gently, you know, kill somebody. They're an animal. They're going to rip them from, you know, shred yeah. to shreds. Uh, as one of my all-time favorite lines in Silver Bullet, when the father talks about his son who was killed, he goes, he was torn apart. <laughs> right, <laughs> very, right. Very much, very much like that. There, There is that horror element. So I think in that vein, yes, they do it. I, I was actually going to go the other way, but thinking about it now, yeah, I would say it is a good werewolf movie. Yeah. I was actually going to go the other direction, but I've kind of talked myself into saying, yeah, it actually was. I like that. And and for the for the purists out there that are listening, and we're we're being purposely cryptic because I think it's the one thing in the movie. Like if if we if I keep that secret, you can still listen to this and go watch the movie and really enjoy it. So we're trying to keep that element of it secret. Um, but you for the purists who are like, well, I'm not going to fucking watch it if I don't see a werewolf in it. You will see a werewolf in it. I guarantee you that much. Yeah, I absolutely. Guarantee, you will, you will see, see a werewolf in this movie for multiple sure. Times, multiple, multiple times. times, and it will be scary as shit. Like my wife watching, she was like, oh my god, get away from the <laughs> werewolf! Like she was freaking out. Yeah, for sure. No, there are and it's not like one moment. There are several moments yeah. where they actually fully reveal the beast. So yeah, that's Pure, absolutely purists. You get a werewolf. You do. You do get a werewolf. All right. So our favorite category, of course, the one we close out with each and every week, is it scary? So Patrick, is Wolf of Snow Hollow a scary movie? Were you scared? Is it scary? Uh, it had moments that were a little. I, I agree. Were completely tense. My best scare in the movie was was the mom and the and the daughter being stalked. I thought that was tense and scary uh, in, in its own right. But overall, this movie's really a comedy, and so I'm just having a lot of fun watching this movie. Uh, yeah, I can turn the lights off. I can walk around my house, and I'm not worried about that giant seven foot tall werewolf tr- coming after me. I'm just not. But but I do truly enjoy it, and I believe all the tension and anxiety in this movie is is completely effective yeah i would agree 110 percent. it's not really scary but it's not i don't think it's really meant to be a scary movie i just don't i don't think that's the way it's built there are scary moments like i said the beer bottle hitting the cop card made me jump i was like oh shit like that was a good moment and then like i said that creepy scene in the diner you mentioned the scene with the mother and daughter being stalked which legitimately was probably the best scare of the movie i i went another direction just because that is kind of like the most legitimately terrifying moment i went with kind of like the creepy element of the of the diner scene but uh but yeah there are a couple of good scares in this movie but is it scary no you know it wasn't unsettling you know and i think you know what we talked about Texas Chainsaw Massacre that's a scary movie man that is a terrifying movie that sticks with you like that as I told you that when we talked about that one when it was over I was still thinking about it hours later and I've seen that movie dozens of times but I saw it again I'm just like oh my god like I can't can't get it out of my head it's like infecting my brain and this movie I'll be thinking about it I'll enjoy it I'll listen to my favorite line much like Return to the Living Dead I'll listen to it and crack up but was it scary? No, it wasn't really scary. I mean, there are a couple scary moments, but it's not a scary movie. But again, to be honest, it's not really meant to be a scary. It's like saying Shaun of the Dead's not scary. Well, it's not really meant to be a scary movie, but Shaun yeah. of the Dead is freaking brilliant. You know what I mean? And, so, and, and much like Shaun of the Dead, you're going to enjoy the shit out of this movie. You oh, really yeah. are. You're yeah. going to love this movie. It really is, as I said at the end of the day, you know, it is a werewolf movie, but it is ultimately a character study on Jim Cummings' character, much like Thunder Road. And he does such a good job. Like, it's so crazy that, like, as you mentioned, no formal training, you know, none of that. And he really does. Like, he eats up the scenery, chews it up, and does it so well. Like, I'm sh- I was shocked at how, like, how well he did, you know, from one genre to the next. And, and as I said, there are similarities, but he does such a good job 
uh, displaying that character. And it really becomes, this movie really does become a character study, but it's so well done. Totally well done. Loved it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. That is our show for this week. Obviously, uh, as you can hear, we both give it, you know, completely rave reviews. So go yeah, out and five out of five. Yeah. Go watch the Wolf of Snow Hollow. You will not be disappointed. I think I paid like five bucks or six bucks on iTunes to watch it, to rent it. Definitely worth your money. Uh, you know, go rent it, watch it. It's worth it. Watch it a couple times. It's a movie that'll stick with you in that t- in that way. You'll want to watch it a couple times, like Patrick did, and I fully intend on doing again before my rental expires. Uh, so I would definitely recommend it. Uh, again, you know, that's one of those movies where you know we don't disagree on this one. We absolutely agree on this one. This was a pretty brilliant film. Totally, man. Uh, worth worth every penny of your rental, and if it's able to be a purchased film i'm gonna be buying it pretty quick yeah absolutely absolutely all right folks well we appreciate everyone tuning in as always for another edition of rewind of the living dead make sure you follow us on twitter uh give us your request there's a movie out there you want us to talk about we are glad to do that you can follow me at damon martin and you are at director patrick thank you as always for tuning in we will see you next week for another edition of rewind of the living dead thanks for tuning in we'll see you then peace